We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. That we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. In particular, we pay our respects to the land we now call Sydney, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, where we are recording this podcast. Somebody pick up. Pick up! Hear me calling up to you. Thank you for calling. To leave a message, press 1. Press harder. Faster. Oh, yes. Don't stop. Has the world gone mad? We are back. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying we. It's just me. <laughs> it's just me and my issues are back uh, doing Hennessy's Hotline today. Hi, I'm Tanya Hennessy, a woman of substance and class. How exciting. I'm loving this pod. And you know why I like it so much? Because it's just you never know what you're going to get. It's like a lucky dip. Sometimes it might be shit. <laughs> It's sometimes unbelievable. Obviously, you've probably heard this podcast before, but if it's your first time, hi, welcome. I'm definitely podcasting in a professional environment. And this is a podcast that's dedicated to like weird, esoteric, eccentric, dark, wild, unbelievable, but also mundane stories. I throw up some questions on social and then people answer them via the hotline and then we play the hotline answering machine back. And this is a fun one today. So we've got two bangers. I cannot wait to hear what's come through. The two topics we have are, are you a sex worker? And I guess the question is, what's it like? God, I would get so sick of it, but I'm so interested. Like, what's the difference between brothel life and, like, I guess, being an escort? All those questions, I guess, hopefully we'll have answered. And the other question that we're going to do right now is, have you clinically died? Um, and when I say clinically died, I mean, you know, on the table, you've you've passed away and they've declared you dead. And people go, Tanya, that's a ridiculous question. No one's going to call if they've died. Sorry. Imagine it's just a bunch of ghosts. Hello? Okay, no. I mean, no one's a ghost and talking like that. No one's like a Scooby-Doo ghost. But people come back from these situations and I guess that's the calls we're getting. Unless we get a fucking ghost. If we get a ghost, if that doesn't get a news.com.au headline, I'm quitting podcasting media. Are you kidding? Tanya Hennessy gets ghost called in from the 16th century. Unbelievable. All right, I'm kind of scared and ready for this, but these are the calls on the hotline. Have you clinically died? Let's start with Imogen. I was clinically dead. I had a cardiac arrest at work, so I was walking around work for six minutes with a stopped heart. As I hit the floor, I was already dead. So I had a customer jump on me. He performed CPR. He kept bringing me back for 20 minutes. I think my heart stopped another nine times. He literally brought me back from the dead. So he is my angel. But yes, I get asked all the time, what did you see while dead? I saw nothing. Oh, well, I don't remember anything. Oh, wow. That woman is meant to be here. Imogen, you are meant to be here. Oh, gosh, that's so weird. I wonder where she was working. Oh, I know that's like a weird subset, but that's where my brain goes. Oh, God, imagine witnessing that. Ooh. I always think, like, there's this doco on, um, I think it's Netflix, and it's it's about, you know, what happens when people clinically die and, and, and discovering a discussion of death. And uh, this one woman died. Uh, she got a premonition her son was going to pass away when he was young. 
and to go back to Earth. And she went, came back and was really paranoid about her son and he did die at 19. So, like, that's a re- like that really interests me. And, and it's interesting Imogen said she saw nothing. Um, do you ever think, what is on the other side? I think about it daily. We could call this podcast Death and Other Things. People are like, God, that's really off-brand for you. No, it's not. <laughs> I barely think of anything funny. I more think about the m- more about morbid life and death things. I'm kind of so nervous and excited about this. <laughs> Trying not to like, okay. All right, let's go to Rob. I died um, back on the 1st of October 2016 at the MCG in the grand final between Western Bulldogs and the Sydney Swans. With 10 minutes to go into the last quarter before the siren was going to go and um, doggies were winning and doggies haven't won for 63 years so I was quite excited. My heart was palpitating and all of a sudden I'm dead. But it so happened there was an off-duty paramedic named Liam Moore who was 24 years old who was sitting six seats away. He performed CPR and was exhausted doing it because I was dead for about four minutes and um, but he got me back. I was unconscious for over an hour. And when I woke up, the presentation and everything had been completed. So I was um, told to get on a stretcher. And before I did, I just turned to the crowd and asked, had the Bulldogs won? And which they said yes. And I was very happy. And I started clapping and cheering. Stop. He died because his team was winning? <laughs> That's so great. Also, I love that he knows his, like, the paramedic's name. He was like, Liam Moore, who's 24 years. Like, how cute is that? And amazing. And I reckon that would happen. You know, you're just like so excited or you feel a certain way and ah, like far out. Love the way he comes out of like being clinically dead and goes, did they win? <laughs> Not house. Tell my family I will live to see another Christmas. He's like, did the dogs win? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, Becky. Okay, to give you a little backstory, I was 10 weeks postpartum. With our third child, everything had seemed fine and well. All of a sudden, I started convulsing. I lost consciousness. My husband and grandpa rushed me to the ER. At first, the ER thought I had like meningitis. They ran all these tests. They couldn't figure it out. Come to find out, I was going into septic shock. All my internal organs had basically <gasps> shut down my brain activity. Um, my heart rate was about 180 beats a minute. Um... I don't recall too much in the ER. I there I do remember like the universe being painted on the ceiling and at one point thinking I was being abducted by aliens. Um I do remember seeing my husband's eyes and hearing his voice and hearing him tell me to um hold on and then I definitely felt like I was being pulled from my body a very like magnetic um pull. And basically having to tell myself to hold on, hold on, hold on, don't let go. Because if I let go, um, I just knew that I wouldn't be returning to my husband and kids while being transferred to the ICU. They told my husband to call family and friends and that let them know that within the next three days I'd be passing um, so they could come in and say their farewells. And um, sometime after the 12-hour mark, Um, I recall hearing doctors' voices, people's voices, and I began to wake up, and I was able to answer their simple questions of what's the year, who's the president, 
Um, but I made a full recovery and they don't know how to this day. They still are like, you are a medical mystery. Like no one has a fever that high and isn't in a vegetative state. This really strong mm. force, it feels like, that kind of takes you away from what I'm assuming would be this life and who knows what's on the other side. Um, but I definitely felt like I had a choice in the matter and I just really had to hold on and, and fight. And I did actually go through this twice with our fourth child, which is why we ended having kids after number four, um, because I went septic again and had very similar experience. Oh, my God, Becky. Whoa. <gasps> God, how wild is that? And the, the, the fact that she said she had a choice in the matter is like even more interesting to me that she was like, no, nah, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. And I wonder if that's what it is like when you're, you know, elderly that it's, it's like such a pull and you just can't fight anymore. I, I wonder if that's what that is. Oh, my God. Imagine imagine her, um, her kids losing her. Like that that would just be horrible and I'm so glad she's here. And it sounds like that story is so emotional for her as well. Like the fact that she's a medical mystery, like you are meant to be here. You are meant to be here. All right, so we've got one more call. Could we do this again? These are so fascinating. All right, let's go to Isabel. This is our final call. I had a little bout of death uh, about 18 months ago. I was having an endoscopy. Sorry, wait. And... Sorry, sorry. Did she just say she had a bout of death? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you can't make this up. This podcast is unbelievable. What awards can we win? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Unbelievable. This is better than any radio show I've ever done. <laughs> Bout of death? About? No, you go, yeah, I got like a bout of the flu. Not a bout of death. I love this woman already. All right, here we go. We're on here. I had a little bout of death. Little? It's a little bout. <laughs> oh, God. Nothing makes my day more than this podcast. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I had a little bout of death uh, about 18 months ago. I was having an endoscopy and I had a little spew and aspirated and stopped breathing and I have absolutely no recollection of it at all. But I just remember them saying that they were doing my blood glucose level again. I'm like, no, I hate needles. That's all my brain was thinking. And I woke up just mm. surrounded by a large group of very attractive people. And then I look and there's blood all over my pillow. And I put two and two together and went, oh, were you resuscitating me? And they were all kind of shocked that I knew I was being resuscitated. It was really weird. Um, you're okay now. Like, yeah, we can't sedate you for the rest of your procedure. You're going to have to stay awake. So I got to see what was up my butt. Um, apparently it wasn't um, my ex-husband. So that was interesting. Bit of a joke on the end there. Bit of a joke, bit of a lull from Isabel. She's actually doing a tight five at the comedy store this weekend and I will be there for that gig. Oh, my God. These stories are bloody wild. I had a little bout of death, a couple of <laughs> – what a legend. Isabel, you are welcome on this pod for any topic, even if you don't have a story. Even if you don't have a story, just call up. Happy to hear from you. In fact, you could co-host this easily. It's really interesting. Why and how does this happen? And how can we have so many medical mysteries in which people can clinically die and be brought back? It's just, it's just like, I, I don't know, it's an interesting ethical question. It's an interesting existential question. Are these people meant to be here? Because you kind of think, okay, if someone's clinically died, they must be like one in a million. But it seems like a lot of people die and come back to life, which is mind-boggling. 
whoa, this could be like an SBS documentary at this point. And if you've got a topic, please share it with me. Someone DM'd me and said, you should do a topic on reincarnation. Do you have an experience with reincarnation? I thought, that's a banger. Banger. But how many calls do you reckon we're going to get about a butterfly? Just putting that, Just I'm just flagging that now. Should we move on now? Okay, next topic. Here we go. All right, this topic though, let's move on from the butterflies. This topic is, are you a sex worker? What's it like? And again, I just really want to stress that this comes from a point of genuine curiosity and interest. Um, I'm so interested to know what it must be like to be a sex worker. Do you just go, God, this is liberating? Or do you go, get off me? It probably is both. Well, we're going to find out. So the calls we have, I am excited. They're all women. So let's start with Penny. I'm a sex worker and I really do enjoy my job. I can't really see myself right now doing anything else. I like working a parlour and although they do like take a percentage of your money, I really enjoy the convenience of just sitting there until some dude shows up and then I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> you do sort of get treated like a bit of an object sometimes. But when you get a client that's like really cool and like chill and good conversation and good sex and just a good dude, you really do want them to come back, not necessarily because you're in love with them, but just because you're like, shit, that was a good experience. Yeah. Like I enjoyed that. You really have to look at the different love languages as well when it comes to sex work because I have a lot of clients that just love physical touch and they just want to like be held and hugged and maybe have a cry and I am fine with that. Like I would rather just like have a cuddle for the whole hour rather than like do all this crazy mm. acrobatic shit. <laughs> but I know a lot of people in my work that don't really like the cuddles and they're like, fuck off, just like fuck me and don't look <laughs> at me and let's just be done. <laughs> so, yeah, I think before getting into sex work, you do sort of have to like identify your love language and like what you sort of want to get out of your work, I suppose. Oh, wow. That's – geez, what an unbelievable woman. She's so like – I felt like I was almost having a conversation with her. I was like, she answered everything in my head. Like, wow, wow. It's so interesting about uh, the parlour situation because it's almost like having a manager, arguably. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like I, I lose 10% or 20% to, to my manager because they're organising it, but you do it for the convenience. Like 100% makes sense. Um, sad though that so many people just want to cry and be held. Like that makes me so sad that maybe they don't have someone to go to but at least these women are able to do that for people I love the way she was like some people hate it they just go fuck me <laughs> dead dead oh you know I always think like you know she kind of touched on it there do you ever fall in love with with them and how do you sustain a relationship if you're a sex worker I'm sure it's definitely possible it'd be an open relationship but I wonder if any of these calls will be that um April is next I was a sex worker. I now have a beautiful two-year-old and I'm married. I worked in brothels and I worked for myself. Honestly, I would prefer to work in a brothel. Think of it like retail. You get a lot of really nice ones and then it's the minute few that are not so great. My sex drive took a massive, massive dump when I started working. 
and I was working from 18 through to 22. And it's mainly because it's always the same stuff you're doing. Mm. There were weeks where I made nothing. I would go into work and I would make nothing because, oh, this girl does a bareback oral or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, nope, I'm not risking an STI. It's fun when you get the money and the consistency, but when you don't, it's not fun at all. Unfortunately, I didn't have the support of family. They didn't find out until after. Mm. They weren't happy about it. They understood why, but they weren't happy about it. And I don't hide it either. You know, my friends know about it and all the rest of it. Even my husband knows that I was a sex worker. Yeah. Funnily enough, he actually used to go to the brothels himself. Stop. So, you know, it's fun, but I'm glad I left when I did. I need to do a whole episode on this. Can we get April and Penny? And, and there's another, like, I have to ask. I got so many follow-ups. And all of these chicks sound like fucking legends. And I feel like they would be open to, like, all, like, my weird questions about, like, I mean, can I tell you, I am... I would be the worst fucking sex worker. Someone would come in and be like, can I do this? I'd be like, oh, no, it's missionary and I'm laying down and I'll be texting. And you can either have that or not. Yeah, I'll be starfishing like the best of them. I don't really want to be kissed and please try not to sweat on me. Like I would be genuinely the world's worst sex worker. I'd talk through it. I'd be like, oh, my God, did you watch Wentworth? (laughs) I'm going to be so bad at it. I always try to talk to Tom during (laughs) sex. And he's like, hey, not now, not now. I'm like, weird weather. And he's like, no, not now. Anyway, <laughs> good Lord. But, yeah, like she said before um, April that, you know, all the bendy stuff, of course, you know, people are going to want this really eccentric sort of sex. And she was like, I don't want to do that. And, like, fair, because you've got to have boundaries in no matter what workplace and arguably more there's no better place to have a boundary than sex work. You definitely need it. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting that her, her money wasn't as substantial because of that. Um, okay, let's go to Brandy. This is fucking awesome. This is the best day of my life. I just saw your TikTok about this hotline. I think this is really cool because being a sex worker, it's, like, very taboo and it's very, like, secretive. So there's not many opportunities you get to talk about it. It is a very weird industry. That is all I can say. Um, Every day is a different day. Some days are good. Some days are bad. Um, You get creepy, gross people trying to do really fucked up shit. Mm. But um, I think the funniest thing that I have actually done is um, I've had a person pay me to just kick them in the balls for like an hour. Stop. Never thought I'd be getting paid to do that. And also with relationships, um, I have found it very hard. I don't feel like I can get to a stage where I can open up to someone enough to tell them Mm. and then still respect me. So it is very hard on the relationship side. So I just tend to just like not think about relationships. Like I go to work, I do my work, I come home and I just worry about me. How much do you reckon she got for the ball kicking? Brandy, you're clearly an icon. Like that's unbelievable. (laughs) <laughs> and for how long for how long how long and is that guy like thanks here's the money like what <laughs> just like I love people are you like obviously that's a thing for him like you know no judgment you that's what you want babe you get it you pay for it you get it good on you Brandy's like fuck yeah wow well, I'll tell you, unbelievable calls today. That is an unbelievable hotline. 
the calls are getting better. I'm probably getting significantly worse, but the calls are all that matter. So if you have got an incredible story that we need to hear, leave us a message at Hennessy's Hotline. It's just, I keep burping. It's a voicemail. So you don't have to talk to anybody. And if you'd like us to keep you anonymous, 100% we can do that. Just let us know at the beginning or the end of the message and we can distort your voice as well. Just let us know. So the number is 029564977. And that'll be in the notes in the description of this podcast. If you are loving this pod, I would love for you to give us a five-star rating and um, some sort of compliment. You know, like, this is the best. And I wasn't asked to say this. But don't add the second bit because people do that. They go, Tanya told me to say this. It's good. I'm like, no, don't say that bit. Just say it's good. Anyway, (laughs) I hope you guys are loving this podcast as much as I am. If you've got any uh, topics, if you've got any really juicy, great stories, please let us know. Call the hotline or just slide into my DMs. I would love to know your story. And then I'll probably just give you the phone number and then you can just... But until next week, I, uh, I'm stoked for every single person that called. Thank you so much for your time, energy, and interest in this. I'm really, really grateful for your calls and honesty. Until then, I will see you next week. Love you. See you. Bye.